Welcome to Sage Talks. I'm Dr. Michelle Stanton. Hey, so welcome to Sage Talks. Um, I'm Dr. Michelle Stanton, and with me today, I have a former classmate of mine, Dr. Scott Ferguson. Uh, Scott, give the people some love. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Good to be here. Good. We're happy to have you. Um, so currently, Dr. Scott Ferguson is an assistant professor at, in the Department of Kinesiology and Exercise Science at the University of Hawaii, Hilo. He did his undergrad, master's, and PhD. Wait, okay. So undergrad and master's in kinesiology, right, at K-State, um, PhD in physiology at K-State. And then his postdoctoral fellowship was done in the Division of Cardiology at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. That must have been a good time. At least you're in Colorado oh, yeah. for that. Yeah, it was great. Colorado is a pretty good place to be. Oh, I bet. I bet that was really nice. Um, you know, your you sent me your resume, and that was impressive. I've kind of been following your career very lightly on Facebook since we were, you know, classmates, and I just, you know, like to keep up with you. But um, when you sent your resume, I was shocked. Oh my gosh, you have been a part of so many research projects. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the product of having good people to work with. And, you know, a lot, a lot of it's, I would consider just being at the right place at the right time and being lucky. Um, I, I wouldn't have made it without my mentors at Kansas State. Um, you know, so David Poole, Professor David Poole and Professor Tim Mosh are the reason I'm here doing what I'm doing today. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't wouldn't have done any of that stuff with, without uh, good mentorship throughout the way. Right. But I mean, don't discredit yourself. Obviously, it's a lot of work and a lot of dedication. So, you know, you should definitely be proud. That was a very impressive resume. Um, something I also pulled from it, just a little personal interest of mine, was that your co-founder and coach at Summation Athletics. Yeah, we uh, we just started that uh, officially last year. 2019 was our first, uh, first full calendar year in operation. I've been coaching off and on um, through graduate school. Um, I did some personal training uh, about at Wildcat Creek Golf and Fitness. Um, uh-huh which is there in Manhattan, Kansas, and sort of just did some some basic personal training there. Um, then ended up doing a bit of strength and conditioning coaching, and that sort of segued into um, endurance training after I'd moved out to Colorado and got involved with uh, climbing, uh, rock climbing, mountain climbing, those types of activities. Um, I actually you know, worked at the rec center there at Kansas State as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we started that company just, just uh, last year, and um, – coach athletes we had a, a guy just summit uh Aconcagua, which is uh, down in argentina about twenty two thousand foot peak um so it's been a lot of fun getting uh, involved with the applied side of, of getting people fit and outside and enjoying the, the activities outside in nature oh yeah and i bet just with your background that's huge i mean that's a huge contribution to that with for your athletes yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I was able to do some work there at the University of Colorado um, with Professor Rob Roach, who is uh, very well known in the field of high altitude medicine and physiology. So um, through some of those activities that that got me um, definitely some some understanding or greater understanding of how the body works at altitude um, with regards to exercise. We all know how it feels to be tired when you go up to elevation. Um, Things are more difficult to do. Uh, but it has definitely informed my coaching uh, for sure. Yeah, that sounds really 
like a lot of fun. So today we're going to be looking at a review article Dr. Ferguson was a part of, um, and the basic premise of it, so the title is Fiber Type Specific Effects of Dietary Nitrate, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, but the basic premise is you looked at dietary nitrate specifically from beetroot juice? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago, there was some work that was suggesting that nitrate supplementation or, or high nitrate diets was actually improving um, exercise performance. And so that this review article summarizes work that uh, I did in collaboration um, with folks at Kansas State as well as the University of Exeter in England. Um, and that's that's sort of the premise of the whole article is that there's a specific effect of this nitrate supplementation um, okay. on a given muscle group. Great. Okay. And so then I just want to, for our listeners who maybe don't have a background in muscle physiology, I just want to point out uh, some things that we're, we might be bringing up and talking about. So there's three types of muscle in the body. So there's cardiac muscle, which is in the heart. There's the smooth muscle, which is in like our organs, like our bladder and our the walls of our hollow organs. And then there's skeletal muscle, which is what we're going to be talking about today, specifically type two skeletal muscle. Yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of the, the focus of the article. We will bring up type ones as well, and more slow twitch, slow twitch and fast twitch type two would be fast twitch type one is slow twitch. Um, so, you know, we'll kind of build that those ideas up um, in a manner that everyone understands. Okay. Do you want to maybe just really briefly summarize what you found in this review article? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so the, what, what had happened was, uh, as I mentioned about a decade ago, that the work suggested that if you give a subject or a person, um, a high nitrate diet, for example, beetroot juice was uh, selected just because of its high nitrate content. Um, we found that it is actually lowering the oxygen cost of exercise, right? So it, it's just like your vehicle going and driving down the road. There's, there's a miles per gallon, right? An efficiency for that engine. Um, and every engine kind of has its, its own efficiency. Well, it's, it was thought up to this point that uh, human muscle efficiency which uses oxygen to produce uh, energy, ATP, um, and then do the work, that um, was thought that the efficiency was pretty much a fixed point. Well, uh, this, this, these early work suggested that if we give the subject beet juice, it would actually make you more efficient, right? So you need less oxygen to, to complete a given amount of energy production. And so we dove into this um, as, as actually my, my first study was my master's thesis work there at Kansas State, and we just wanted to see what it did to muscle blood flow. Thought maybe if, if, if it's improving uh, oxygen delivery to the muscle, it could be improving performance. And uh, that's so that's what we did. We we simply gave some animals uh, some beetroot juice for five days, and then measured their blood flow and compared them to animals that had just received water. Um, so we measured blood flow of muscle during exercise and found that the the animals that had received, the rats that had received beet juice for five days had a 38% higher blood flow to those muscles. Wow. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the, the basis of what set off this, um, this theory that it would improve muscle blood flow. But what we also found was that the, the increases or improvements in blood flow were, were seen 
specifically in type two fast twitch muscles. And those are the muscles that you use for sprinting, jumping, higher uh, force output types of exercise, lifting weights um, and those types of activities. Um, so we were amazed to see that all the increases were seen in muscles that were comprised uh, primarily of those fast twitch uh, phenotypes or muscle types. Right. Uh, so that so, set off the whole whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I just real quick, I had a question and, and I'd like to get your insight on why do you think that the type two, which are tip, I mean, which are anaerobic muscles, so they use less oxygen or operate under low oxygen. Um, why would they be, why would they have more or a, high, a better performance than a muscle like a slow, a slow twitch muscle that uses oxygen primarily as its fuel? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the key here for this nitrate supplementation, why, how is it working is, is that it, uh, it increases nitric oxide availability. Okay. So, and it sounds like a fancy word. What nitric oxide is, is, is a signaling molecule that it does many things in the body and it's essential for life. Um, uh, its discovery was, uh, resulted in the, uh, Nobel prize in the late nineties. Um, the, the folks that discovered it, but what it does is it dilates blood vessels and it controls blood flow. It's one of the many things. So when it, it when you say it dilates, sorry, when it dilates blood vessels, that opens up the blood vessels and lets more blood flow through. Exactly. I, I tell okay. my students that, that the cardiovascular system is just plumbing. You've got pressure, which is uh, controlled by uh, the pump or the heart cardiac output, right? Uh, times your vascular resistance. And it's the same as the sinks in your house. If you turn your faucet on, you dilate that vessel, right? You dilate the sink and it allows flow of water to come through the pipe. The same is true within the body. When you dilate a blood vessel in the muscle or anywhere in the body, and if you've got enough pressure there, it's going to increase flow to that, to mm -hmm. that given area. And so that's the idea is that the nitrate supplementation that nitrate or NO3, if you look at the biochemical uh, uh, writing of it, it gets reduced to nitrite and then ultimately to nitric oxide, which is improving blood flow. Okay. And then I think I interrupted you. So how, how would that affect the anaerobic versus the aerobic muscles more? Okay. Right. So the... Um, the reduction of nitrate to nitrite is, is and uh, nitric oxide is a three-step process. When we consume the nitrate, we eat it and it goes into our bloodstream and we increase blood levels of nitrate. Now that nitrate then is then actively taken up and secreted into our mouth by our salivary glands. So then we increase nitrate concentration in the saliva in our mouth. And we have bacteria in our mouth that bacteria is absolutely necessary then to reduce that nitrate or NO3 to NO2, nitrite. So once that occurs in the mouth by the bacteria, we swallow again, like we normally do, just normal, normal daily function. We swallow that yeah. saliva that has nitrite and that is absorbed into the bloodstream. So now we've increased blood levels of nitrite or NO2. Now the key here, is that that reduction of nitrite or NO2 to nitric oxide or NO, we call it, uh, is facilitated in low oxygen environments or low PO2, pressure of oxygen environments. And that's the key difference between fast twitch and low twitch muscles is that the fast twitch muscles have a much lower oxygen pressure, both at rest and when they're contracting, 
when compared to type one or slow twitch muscles. So that reduction of nitrite to nitric oxide is likely enhanced to a greater extent in muscles of the type two uh, phenotype, especially when they're contracting, when you see pressures go down as low as two uh, to three millimeters of mercury. Okay, very good, well said. Um, <laughs> and so the other thing you guys kind of found was that you you saw a difference in like these kind of lower level athletes or like recreational athletes in their type two fast switch muscles, but not so much in like the elite sprinters or cyclists. You didn't see a whole, like a big gain with those athletes. Yeah, exactly. And that's a lot of work done by our colleagues, uh, Andrew Jones and Andy Vanhanelo there at the University of Exeter. Um, and the, the thought there's there's several potential reasons why that may be true. So we're not seeing as as profound or sometimes any effect of beneficial effect in uh, uh, highly trained endurance athletes. And you've got this comes down to a couple couple potential reasons. One of the reasons is that uh, most elite endurance athletes have approximately 70 percent of their muscle fibers in their body as type one fibers. So they don't have as many of those fast switch type two fibers as say somebody like a sprinter or a weightlifter. Um, so if you have a fiber type specific effect or uh, you know a more enhanced effect of this nitrate supplementation on fast switch muscles, these endurance athletes that have a greater distribution of slow twitch muscles rather than fast switch muscles may not see as big of a performance gain from um, in increasing their nitrate um, consumption. Um, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, I think it's safe to say most of our listeners are going to be more of the recreational to low to moderate level athletes. I don't know that we have a ton of elite athletes listening. That'd be great too. But so is that something that is applicable to just kind of your everyday average Joe maybe someone that likes to go for a jog every once in a while, or, I mean, is someone that's not even an athlete, just someone that's just trying to stay in shape, do the right thing. Are they going to see benefits from, you know, nitrate supplementation or a high nitrate diet? Yeah. And, and that's sort of the, the, uh, the amazing thing about this, this, these projects that we've done for over the last decade now is, uh, We've known for a long time that it's important to eat your vegetables, right? We, we know that uh, a diet high in vegetable intake um, is suggested to improve blood pressure regulation. Well, what we've kind of come to understand in, in this in the last several years is that the vegetables that are high in nitrate are actually the ones that are doing the work here when it comes to reducing blood pressure. This beetroot juice supplementation, again, it was just selected because it's a convenient way to have a high nitrate supplement. Uh, or mm -hmm. to consume a high nitrate uh, vegetable. And so when that's consumed, we, we typically see uh, blood pressure um, lowered in, within about two hours um, in, in a lot of individuals there. So we've known for a long time that it's important to eat your vegetables. Uh, but now we're starting to see sort of how that process plays out. It's the, it's the vegetables that are high in nitrate that seem to have this effect. So for your average individual, yeah, absolutely. Uh, improving your diet, um, 
by enhancing the amount of or increasing the amount of high nitrate vegetables that you have um, in your daily consumption in, in the well-rounded, well-balanced diet um, should, should improve your overall health as well as your, your exercise uh, capacity. Um, especially if, if um, you know, you're, you're uh, doing regular physical activity. Sure. Well, and that's great. I mean, how prevalent is cardiovascular disease, you know, in America and across the globe? And right now with everything going on with the COVID and, you know, having these underlying, or, you know, secondary conditions, um, you know, it's just as important as ever to know what's going on with your body and know how to, you know, keep yourself as healthy as possible. Do you know, I don't know if this is anything you've done with your research, but the effects of nitric oxide or nitrate supplementation versus something like an antihypertensive drug, like the ACE inhibitors, do you know much about like in comparison, how those compare to each other? Yes. So the, um, one of the primary differences here is, is if we give nitrate, we're enhancing the ability to dilate. Um, whereas an ACE inhibitor, which is an angiotensin converting enzyme inhibitor, uh, prevents the effects of angiotensin, which is a potent vasoconstrictor, right? So if I inhibit the constrictor, that's what I'm exactly what I'm doing. Right? I'm preventing mm-hmm. constriction. Whereas on this, in this case, I'm enhancing dilation. So it's on the opposite end of the spectrum there, right? It's accomplishing mm-hmm. the same goal. It's preventing vascular resistance from increasing. Um, it's just going about it through two different ways. Um, and, you know, for sticking with the, the fiber type specific effects, um, many patient populations have a higher reliance on type two muscle fiber types because there's vascular dysfunction um, that occurs in, in their disease states. For example, heart failure patients, we see a shift on the reliance of fiber types of the higher order fast twitch uh, muscle groups because they can't deliver oxygen and utilize it as well in those type one slow twitch muscles. So that causes the body then to shift its reliance to those fast twitch muscles. So um, the theory is that this, um, this nitrate uh, supplementation may be especially efficacious um, in these in these given patient populations. And that's sort of wow. the work, some of the work that we're pursuing now. Yeah, that, that would be a huge deal. I mean, because I imagine there's not a lot of side effects with nitrate supplementation. Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the big fancy words I'll throw at you is tachyphylaxis, which is there's no <laughs> tachyphylaxis, which is just uh, the, uh, the buildup of uh, tolerance to it. So things like um, nitroglycerin, for example, you use it for um, angina. Uh, which is, you know, chest pain, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's a, a nitric oxide donor, and that dilates blood vessels uh, very rapidly. Uh, one of the problems with nitroglycerin is that it does build up a tolerance. The nitrate supplementation doesn't seem to do that. Um, so, you know, if you, if you consume nitrate, high nitrate diet all the time, um, or, you know, most of the time, it's, it's, you're not going to have the, the buildup of a tolerance to it. Um, wow. It is tr- it is tricky. We, there are s- many papers, and my colleagues are showing. Uh, you know, I've got uh, Dr. Daniel Hirai, uh, who showed recently he's at Purdue University, of Purdue, um, that showed that there was no effect on some of his heart failure patients that he looked at a few years ago. Um, so we're still trying to figure out exactly how it works and what populations it works in, and even sometimes what environments it works in. So sure. um, there's still a lot of work to be done. 
but for, you know, for the most part, the general population, you know, dealing with cardiovascular issues, pulmonary issues, most of them are not going to see any problem. You know, it may not help, but it probably won't harm just eating more beets and green leafy vegetables. Yeah. And I think that's the take home message, Michelle, is that we, we need a well-rounded diet and nitrate plays a critical role in that. Um, and, and having a nitrate rich diet, uh, will improve cardiovascular, uh, function. Um, and that's, we're, we're still diving into exactly how that, that happens, especially over long-term. Um, but again, we've known for a long time that eating a, a diet rich in vegetables is good for you. And now we're, we're starting to see why. Yeah. So then I know it, you mentioned it in the paper here, but it, I, I'm trying to find it right now. With supplementation of arginine or L-arginine, which is a semi-essential amino acid, is that's not as effective. Because I know a lot of athletes, or I don't know, maybe they used to, not so much anymore, but I know at one point supplementation of L-arginine was thought to kind of have the same effects and accomplish some of the same goals we were talking about here. Yeah, and it still is heavily supplemented. If you go and look at a lot of pre-workout supplements, um, they're going to contain L-arginine. Um, and it can have some uh, beneficial effect, ergogenic effects, right? It's the, the word we use in the, in the, in the industry is it, whether it's giving you a uh, beneficial effect. It, it's the, the issue with L-arginine is, is that that production or mode of production of nitric oxide requires oxygen to be present. So this is where another, another reason why the nitrate pathway is so amazing is that it doesn't require oxygen. In fact, it's that production of nitric oxide from nitrite is actually enhanced in low oxygen environments, right? So if I have low oxygen, I can't produce nitric oxide via the reduction of L-arginine. But mm -hmm. if it's low oxygen, the production of nitric oxide from the reduction of nitrite is enhanced. So it works um, in, in, um, uh, to help complement the, uh, the L-arginine pathway. So when the L-arginine pathway doesn't work as well, the nitrite pathway um, can then jump in and, and produce nitric oxide for the muscle. So that's the, wow. the, the thought behind those. They're complementary. Yeah. What? I, the body is just amazing. I want to pull out just this sentence um, from the article. So it says the products of this reaction, nitrite and nitrate were thought originally to have no physiological relevance. And I just think, when are we going to stop? When are we going to stop and realize the body doesn't do things on accident or willy nilly, you know, yeah. like why yeah. would our body produce this? Why would it go through three different processes and secrete it in your saliva? And I know we just don't know. And that's, you know, that's not on anybody, but I just think it's amazing that the body has these systems in place and to, to create oxygen from no oxygen, essentially. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, it's producing that nitric oxide, um, you know, which has a, an oxygen component in there. Um, sure. In low, low PO2 environments. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good point for sure, because that nitrate and nitrite, that the, the maintenance of that within the blood um, has been conserved throughout thousands of years, millions of years of evolution, right? So if we didn't need it, 
one of the first things that would would have happened is it would be excreted almost completely by the uh, the kidneys, right? The kidneys would clear it out, would get rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. So it clearly has played a role for a very long time. Otherwise, we would have developed means to get rid of it if we didn't need it. Um, so it goes to show you, I mean, it's just like any, any other aspect of our lives. We think we know a lot about something, but in reality, we really don't. And we're <laughs> we're really still figuring things out. We look back at what was going on 200 years ago, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, and things have changed. And we thought, man, we really didn't know much then at all. But the same is true now. We'll look back and wonder what the heck we were thinking in 50 right. years from now, for sure. Well, and I didn't realize that we discovered nitric, nitric oxide in the 90s, you said? Yeah, it was, uh, it was late 70s. There was some experiments going on. And these are the guys that ended up uh, earning the Nobel Prize in the late 90s then in 98 is when it was uh, given for okay. um, physiology and medicine but Furchkot, Ignaro and Fred Murad uh, were the three that, that earned the Nobel Prize and it was originally coined uh, endothelial derived relaxation factor and it was discovered sort of by accident um, back in the day because they were smoking cigarettes in the lab and they figured out that that actually that smoke was actually causing the vessel to dilate under some conditions um, so they, through, through an accident, which has happened throughout history as well, they made a seminal discovery, which resulted in what we know now. <laughs> oh, man, that's so interesting. I'm so glad. It, I mean, reading the article was interesting, but then talking to you about it, I mean, just gives it another level of depth. Um, I just need to have you talk through every article I read from now on that that would be helpful if we could just set that up thanks that would be great <laughs> yeah it's always more I'm fun sure to, you like, to chat about it it's, it's always more fun to chat about science I think than than to just strictly read the, the articles but that's what right. we do we well, read them and then we talk about them right yes um I had actually one last question that you made me think of as you were talking it was really early on um but you mentioned the bacteria in the mouth and that being a big part in how the nitrate to nitrite to nitric oxide gets reduced. Um, you know, there's so much going with, you know, antibiotics and alcohol rinses for the mouths. And, you know, I think we're really scared as a society of bacteria and I, and hopefully we're kind of swinging back the other way. Um, but do you know, can you speak to, you know, this over, you know, this overuse of antibiotics and alcohol rinses for the mouth, does that have any effect on this process that you know of? Yeah, completely. So chlorhexidine mouthwashes will completely abolish the effect. Um, so oh, if you geez. do something like, uh, I don't want to like hate on any given company, but, uh, you sure. know, a mouthwash that's, that's loaded up with chlorhexidine, um, you know, most major mouthwash companies are going to have that. Uh, yeah. that effect will, all the stuff we talked about, the beneficial effect will be wiped out. Blood pressure doesn't get lowered. Um, and that's because you wipe out all the bacteria in the mouth. Um, that being said, like definitely brush your teeth. I was at a meeting at, at uh, <laughs> the, at Oxford, actually the university of Oxford a couple of years ago it was a nitric oxide society meeting. Um, so that gives you an idea how specific that Look meeting was. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty specific. Right. But, um, that was like one of the things that we're trying to figure out this symbiosis and how like what exactly what you know what specific bacteria is doing you know the its fair share of reducing this nitrate to nitrite or is there a lot and does it change seasonally and so i mean there's whole hosts of researchers out there 
um, doing work in the trenches, trying to figure that out. And, and we're, we're figuring out that it changes even across how, when we age across age groups, right? So that, that, uh, microflora, we call it uh, bacteria in the mouth and in the gut actually changes mm -hmm. throughout, uh, our life cycle. Um, and so, yeah, if you disrupt that, um, for example, with a mouthwash, we know for sure a mouthwash will disrupt the pathway. You'll shut that off. Um, sure. so it is something to think about, but if you brush your teeth, and you're okay. You're okay. Keep brushing yes. your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> for everybody's sake. Um, exactly. does the, does the gut flora have any part in this, uh, nitric oxide pathway? Yes. Um, and, and this is where you're on the edge of, of my full understanding of, of, uh, you know, gut microbiology for sure. I'm certainly not an expert in that, but what we, some of the early work was showing that it does, if they consume a high nitrate diet, it does in, increase mucosal blood flow, which can then um, sort of stave off some of the injuries from uh, like a COX inhibitor like ibuprofen, um, which uh, can lead to some gut injuries. So there are some protective effects of the high nitrate diet within the intestinal um, cavity, and um, that can be disrupted to some extent um, by environmental factors. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that have to look into the literature to, to get somebody that's an expert on gut microflora. Sure. There's, there's some very high profile papers out there on that, that I'm surely not privy to. Huh, yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. That'd be interesting to learn more about. Um, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. This has been really interesting. Um, if there's a way that people can follow your work? I mean, is there a specific way people can follow your work or your research or even, you know, your summation athletics? How can people kind of find some more information about you? Yeah, we're on, uh, we're on Instagram. For those of you who have Instagram, we also are on Facebook. Um, if, if you're interested in following us, uh, my personal account, which I'll post a lot of stuff, you know, just snap, snapshots of me collecting data in the lab and whatnot. Um, uh, my personal account is, uh, Dr. S.K. Fergus or dr.sk Fergus. Um, and I can give you all these links too. And then um, Summation Athletics is just what it is uh, at Summation Athletics, S U M M A T I O N Athletics. Um, so they can check us out on the website as well, summationathletics.com. Um, and feel free to reach out to me in any avenue. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, I'm sure there's more we could talk about, I could probably talk all day about some of this stuff and learn from you. Um, it's pretty fun stuff. I'm glad to, glad you had me on. Yeah. Well, and it was nice catching up. How long has it been since we were at K? Well, since I was at K-State with you, it's been, gosh, like 10 years at yeah, least. Yeah. We <laughs> finished, well, I don't know what year did you end up with your undergrad? I was like 20, December of 2010 is when I finished undergrad. And then, yeah, I was there. Okay. I was I at K-State for nine years. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. Wow. That's you put your time. But I mean, who doesn't want to be in Manhattan for that long? That was, uh, great. it was, it was cool to see. To yeah. It was cool. <laughs> cool to see how much it changed too. I mean, I've gone back a couple of times and Manhattan just keeps growing oh. and changing. So it's pretty it neat. Oh my gosh. And I just have to tell you real fast. Cause anytime I hear Dr. Poole's name, which this is probably the first time in nine years I've heard it, but I, I was going to study abroad. I was in his, what did he teach? Was it vast? Like, Ah, cardiovascular physiology. I don't remember which class I had with him, but I told him, Dr. Poole, I'm going to go study in England. And he's like, oh, you know, in his little British accent, where are you going to be studying? And I said, in the, probably the most Kansas Midwestern 
accent you can. I said, the University of Hertfordshire. And he said, you mean Hertfordshire. And I felt like the biggest ding dong in the world. And that's, unfortunately, that's the biggest memory I have from Dr. Poole. (laughs) And I know he's worth so much more than that, but it just makes me laugh every time I think of it. Yeah, he's um, got a lot of memories for many people, and and that's you know part of what makes him so amazing. He's one of my best friends to date, and again, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without his inspiration. He's such a a great guy, still is a great colleague and great friend. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's awesome that you guys stayed in contact. That's so cool. Um, all right, well, thanks so much. I won't take any more of your time. I really appreciate it. It was really great talking to you. Um, I'll put up whatever um, links to you know, for people to, um, contact you in the show notes and thanks again. No, yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Michelle. I appreciate it. It was good. All right. We'll talk talk to you later. Okay. All right. Thanks Scott. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to our website at prairiesagehealth.com. You can also find us on Facebook under the same name or Instagram at prairie.sage.health. If you found this podcast interesting or exciting, please follow us and share with a friend who may enjoy it as well. Now go and have a great day.